Well, welcome to the latest ASA podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel. First off, I want to apologize for not doing the webinar this week. Best of intentions. I thought I was being so clever. I was going to drive from Kansas City to Tulsa instead of trusting the airlines. What a great plan. Unfortunately, coming back from Tulsa, I got caught in a massive traffic accident because a semi ran into another semi. And, of course, it did it in a dead zone, so I couldn't even connect from the car. So, anyway, you're getting a podcast this week instead of a webinar, webinar next week instead of a podcast. So, we will reconvene. This week's topic is a familiar one. We have talked about this many, many times before, and just kind of going down the list once more, we're talking about oil and gas Obviously, something that matters a lot to ASA members, it matters to everybody. We have seen inflation being driven by energy now for the better part of a year. Very frustrating for central banks because they really can't have much of an impact on it, even with higher interest rates, because it really isn't a money supply issue, which is what high interest rates are designed to deal with. The latest report coming out of the IMF suggests that the oil-producing countries are going to be sitting on a windfall of about $1.7 trillion in earnings this year because of the high price for oil. This is obviously creating all kinds of consternation and uproar, and every time this happens, you get people saying, by God, we need to tax big oil, and we need to do this, and we need to do that. Well, the reality is this is all market-driven, and the oil companies don't have much control over what they are paid. Oil-producing countries don't have much control over what they're being paid either. Remember back in 2020, the per-barrel price was $11, which at that point meant that nobody in the world could produce oil profitably. So... When the oil prices are down, the oil producers suffer. When the oil prices are up, they benefit. And right now, they're benefiting. The big challenge going forward, as far as that money is concerned, is what it will be used for. And the hint at this stage is that many of the oil companies and the oil-producing countries are going to be investing it. They're going to be putting it into a variety of funds, and then the big question is, what will the funds be focused on? A lot of energy being directed, not to be punning here, but a lot of attention being directed towards more fossil fuel development. I think I mentioned in a previous podcast that Gutter is in the process of developing its natural gas fields. It would become the second largest natural gas producer in the world because they have the capability and now they're going to have the money to put into it. They've got an agreement put together with ConocoPhillips, ExxonMobil, Total out of France, ENI out of Italy, and Shell out of the Great Britain to develop this field. But you're seeing a lot of this other activity opening up opportunities in other parts of the world. But there's also going to be a lot of money that's going to be directed towards alternatives. If you look at the recent legislation that's basically now being understood, it's passed, now we need to figure out what it is. So lots and lots of incentives to develop alternative energy sources, everything from solar to wind to geothermal to who knows what exotic thing is on somebody's agenda. 
there's going to be money for that, both from the government and now from these various investment funds. The question is, what does the focus become? Is it going to be solar? Is it going to be wind? Is it going to be some combination of the two? Is there going to be a certain part of the country that gets more attention than others? What are the sort of ancillary concerns that need to be developed? One of the high-priority areas is batteries. There's no doubt that we can produce energy from solar arrays and wind. The challenge with alternatives has always been storage. The advantage of fossil fuels is that you can call on it when you need it. So if you're in the middle of the summer and you need to satisfy people's desire for air conditioning, well, you can just burn more coal, burn more oil, burn more gas. You can't turn alternatives on and off like that. You have the sun when you have the sun. You have wind when you have wind. The trick is storage. The trick is batteries. So a lot of the money that's being earmarked for energy development by some of these big funds is around battery technology. Everything from individual batteries that would go into vehicles to really large battery installations that could become a backup for an entire city. So one of the things to watch from a development perspective is where that that battery development is going to be taking place. Most likely it's going to be closest to the heavy power consumers. For example, there are big projects under discussion outside L.A. Um, there will definitely be discussions about battery capability in Texas. Just got off a call with a construction company talking about the future of development in the Texas area. The two fastest growing markets in the country are Dallas and Houston. Dallas alone is going to add 2.3 to 2.8 million people in the next five years. This is literally the population of my town of Kansas City. So Dallas is adding Kansas City to its current population. I mean, the potential for energy use and construction and development, I mean, it's just off the charts. And this sort of thing drives a lot of decision-making, both in terms of where the energy is going to come from, but also what technologies are going to be in use. So from the ASA member's perspective, I guess it's kind of a three-prong concern set. Number one is energy prices are going to stay high for a while. That's going to have an impact on the raw material cost and everything else that go into the products that ASA works with. Number two is going to be the demand on the part of businesses that are also paying these high prices. You know, what are they going to do to react to that? How is that going to affect their relationship with ASA members? And then thirdly, it's the potential. You know, what sort of, of future development is going to be useful from the ASA perspective? There's a lot of opportunity for members to be engaged in some of that going forward. It's just a matter of trying to get into that stream soon enough to be part of the discussion. So that's going to be something we'll look at and talk about in a lot more detail in the weeks and months to come. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to be part of what I talk about at next week's webinar, which was supposed to be this week's webinar, but is instead next week's webinar. Thanks for your patience, and we'll talk next week.